Okay, Sporting Woods, episode 145 from the home boothio. It's Tim here by myself. I'm on my Pat Malone. Um, There have been some developments that I need to make people aware of. Now, first of all, everything is okay. However, one of our um, prestigious members has fallen, not ill, but fallen victim of the lockdown situation. Uh, Michael has been declared a close contact and has had to go into 14 days isolation. So he's almost out. I think he's got another two or three more days to go. So that meant that Luke didn't have to do the podcast because he never wants to do it. So he got out of it. So I am doing a solo episode here Episode 145, we thought we had to get an episode out post-Origin. So much has happened in sport. Um, I'm going to do my best to get through it all. But before we start, I've got to do a cold open. And so what what I was trying to figure out was do some sort of like, you know, theme music, like do my own like walkout music. You know, we've got Edge for BD history and all that sort of stuff. And so... I had a couple on my shortlist, but this was what I decided I wanted to play as my little intro. So take it away. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love my dad and my mom. I'm sorry. I just, I just love that bit. I would just like, I would fucking walk in to a wrestling ring just as the beat dropped there. And I've, I went on a little bit of a tangent and I think, you know, everyone knows that I'm a big rap guy, but I think I figured out why I like rap so much is not actually the rap. It's actually those bits that Drake does where it's like, Hey, Hey, like before he even raps, like the, the sounds, like before a song starts, let me hit you up with another classic one. This is ASAP Rocky, uh, Praise the Lord. This is my favorite bit in the whole song. And it's it's before an even word is even sounded. Get it? Like, like just that bit gets me going. Like, here's another one. One of the all-time greats, Kanye West Gold Digger. I don't even listen to the rest of the song. I just straight straight up go, oh, and then move on. Like every time it comes up on my Spotify, I just like move on. Another one, Kendrick Lamar. I've got to be very sensitive here. I've got the clean version, but here's just another grunt before the song starts. Like this is just, this just gets me going. Oh, like I think that's what I like about Raps and a lot of the songs that I like have intros or bits in it where they just like do like a uh, or like a uh, or like a you know Lil John Hall of Fame like yeah but like that's where I that's where I went for my cold open and I went went down the back catalog I mean some some of the Hall of Famers for hype stuff Rick Ross and Lil John seriously some of the best um, non musical sounds um, in the rap game right there. But anyway, I digress.
Cricket, cricket, cricket. Bats, bats, bats. Balls, 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 balls. Sporting woods, sporting woods. No, right, you're not an idiot. Are we actually going to have this in the podcast? Have you got the run? <laughs> cricket, cricket, cricket. Bats, bats, bats. Balls, 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 balls. And then make like a... (laughs) Let's get into it. Action-packed. Lots happening not only locally but internationally. We've got all the favourite segments. Good, bad, the ugly. Limb Dick Team of the Week. American correspondent, European correspondent phones in. Supercoach, tipping, sweezies, spicy matchup, just a tip. Plenty of on the takes. Match of the year in there as well. So let's get to it. And let's start with the good. Now, again... Going a little off kilter here because my good is actually Wayne Bennett talking in a press conference. And that's right. Wayne Bennett had a seven minute, 55 second press conference. Seven minutes, 55 seconds. Now, Wayne Bennett's press conferences never last more than two minutes, but he had a seven minute, 55 second press conference. And I had to agree with every single word he said. The question that that sparked the most comment, and this is something that, you know, Uncle Wayne doesn't bother with all the people being like, oh, you know, you, you South, you know, let the Tigers back in the seven, second half. He's like, yeah, no, I don't, I'm not going to talk about that. Well, I'll talk about that to my own team. Like, that's a shit-ass question. Then it started going into, like, talking about the game itself and, and whether or not we've got the... Um, you know, we've got the mix right with the with the change in rules and seeing all the blowouts and all that sort of stuff. And Wayne just goes on an unexpected tirade, and I think I think it was to the point, and I think it was real and honest and one hundred percent true. And so he was he was asked about, um, you know, the should the bulk of the blame be put. Um, on the players, particularly like the Tigers' efforts and the Bulldogs' efforts in that, and the Raiders, for that example, um, you know. But then he goes on and says, and this is a quote because I wanted to get it right. Management of clubs have have a huge res- uh, huge result on performance performances at the moment. Clubs have to take a hell of a lot more responsibility than what they're taking for the way the game is being played. Simple as that. Then he goes on to say, you know. Um, he was pressed on it and, and Bennett then keeps going and says, you know, the media keeps blaming the, the players and says, you're so far off the market, doesn't matter. You're not in club land. You don't understand how it works. Until the clubs, club itself gets their management in order, their whole ship, the club and the players won't be able to respond, but the media keep blaming the players. He's uh, Wayne saying the clubs and it's the way they manage is the issue. It's not necessarily the performances of the players on the park. And where is it? Here it is. I'm going to tell you, not one of you guys in this room go to a toxic, toxic environment to work and do your best work. Wayne didn't miss there. And I think he's taking a shot at the Broncos, but I think it's a general comment for all, um, Teams, and this is something that you know I've been beating the drum uh, on Sporting Woods is that it's not the reason for the blowouts isn't isn't the rules. It's not. It honestly isn't, and it's the easiest cop out excuse you can have 
you know, as an excuse, as a reason, and you can just dismiss it. It's not. It's the poor management of the clubs, you know, and paying all these people above their market value and ruining the salary cap so they can't be an all-round team. Case in point, Ivan Cleary at the Tigers signed Embiid to a contract bigger than whatever Benji Marshall had ever been paid for the club. Josh Reynolds, same deal. Um, Russell Packer and Ben Madalino, all these guys are paid overs just because they were, you know, hot off market and the salary cap was increasing. So therefore you have to spend the money and all that sort of stuff. It's just not feasible. It's not viable. And, you know, there's been clubs like Cronulla who balked at Chad Townsend, um, you know, saying he got an offer from the Cowboys and all that sort of stuff. And I think ultimately clubs shouldn't be held to ransom because, you know, players want more money. And yes, that sounds ridiculous. But at the same time, the clubs have to look after themselves. The clubs that are really struggling, like Bulldogs, Broncos, Tigers, um, and the like, we've got no depth. We've got no genuine depth. We've got no guys that can come in and make an impact if they're called upon. Whereas you look at Melbourne, you look at Penrith, they've just got guys lining up to to take shots um, at the next level. Does that have a lot to do with talent and all, and all that sort of stuff in junior development? Of course it does. But at the same time, you see clubs like the Roosters and Melbourne for that matter, who, you know, don't get a lot of local juniors, you know, being able to identify talent and pay market value for that talent. Yes, you know, they get discounts and things like that, you know, to try and keep a winning team together and players are willing to pay for less to get there. But at the same time, they've got enough guys in that roster who who are able to be on other first grade sides comfortably. They may struggle to get a run at Melbourne and Penrith, but slot them in to 13, 14 other clubs, uh, you know, top 17 easy. And, ca- you know, another case in point going back to the Tigers is Dane Laurie. Didn't, wasn't going to get a run at Penrith and he's the Tigers' best player. Harry Grant last year at the Tigers wasn't going to get a run at Melbourne and then goes to another club and he's the best player on that team. So I totally agree with what Uncle Wayne's saying and I think it is a cop-out that these new rules um, you know, are causing the blowouts. Yes, it's part of the problem, but it highlights the mismanagement of these clubs of identifying talent and re- retention of that talent. That's what it says the, um, the most to me. But what, what does Uncle Wayne know? You know, I'm sure he'll go off and do another COVID breach at some Balmain um, restaurant just before the finals, just to, you know, throw a spanner in the works or something. Who knows? All right, so that was my good. Thank God Uncle Wayne was the voice of reason there for the once, one time in his recent history. My bad is the Origin Team announcements. Now, we all know that I am, and we are at Sporting Woods, an anti-Mitch Moses podcast. And yes, he missed his opportunity against a Cleary-less and Luai-less uh, team to uh, Penricide to, you know, get the win after full time and chokes the kick. I mean, again, really not helping himself, um, not labeling as a flat track bully. Um, had the opportunity there to prove some doubters wrong, but uh, still misses, but then gets rewarded with a starting halfback position in State of Origin. Now, I... I I, I'm lost for words. I 
I don't know what else to say uh, about it. I'm, I was in shock. I could not believe it. But I think Andrew Johns, who's been working with Moses at club level, had a whole lot to do with uh, this selection. If it was me personally, I would have gone Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds uh, just to keep some sort of cohesiveness there. But at the same time, when you're New South Wales, you can do whatever the hell you want because, quite honestly, Mitch Moses might be the perfect guy for the way they're playing because no one is more dangerous on a flat track than Mitch Moses. Uh, that's not that's not up for dispute. I think in terms of you know being able to play with momentum, he is right up there in the competition. And when you've got Luttrell and Tommy Turbo and Tedesco and the forward pack, Cam Murray just going bunter um, and getting these roll-ons, I think Mitch Moses is a good spot. It's just a fact that he gets picked. It just gives me the absolute shits. And and fair play to New South Wales. They can, you know, take take quote a risk and bring Moses in because they've already won the series. So who what does it matter to them? And I mean if he was a decider and you bring Mitch Moses in, I, I severely doubt that happens. Um but yeah, it was just really annoying to see his name uh pop up there. Uh, for New South Wales. Um, and interesting on their bench, they're going to bring Appy Coruscant in. So they'll go a one, two punch with Cook and Coruscant. So that'll be interesting to see how they roll. Um, but for Queensland, their, their big loss, Harry Grant, uh, officially ruled out of game three. Um, still with a hamstring concern there. So that's very disappointing. Ben Hunt does slot into, um, uh, hooker there. Uh, McCulloch was the worst player on Queen, uh, for Queensland in game two. How many times did he just like doubt himself out of dummy half uh, in game two and just cost us momentum? Uh, it would have to be 15. Like It was just unbelievable watching him not know what to do. Um, I'm sure Thief would have been yelling at him the whole first half and that's that was that frustration that was coming out. But for me, it's not Harry Grant that's the big omission. It's everyone's favorite non-Queenslander, uh, Ronaldo Mulatalo. He's been ruled ineligible uh, for any state of origin um, because of the eligibility rules surrounding when, where and when you played when you were 13. How do we get to this point where he gets kicked out the day of the game how has every single player not been put through these measures and the NRL goes to Queensland and New South Wales and say, right, these are the people you can pick? How are we not there? How is that so difficult to do? Why are we ruining this kid, poor kid's dream? He's played Queensland under-18s, under-20s. All he's dreamt about since he started playing rugby league was to play for Queensland. And... He misses out on a rule by so many days or whatever it is. It's really sad. And I understand and I get it. Everyone who's a New South Wales supporter is yelling at their phone saying, well, what about Greg Inglis? And I, I can't sit here and give you an explanation as to why that happens. But the fact of the matter is Greg Inglis wanted to be a Maroon. Ronaldo Mulatalo wants to be a Maroon. He wants nothing more than to be a Maroon. He thought he had done everything in his juniors to qualify for State of Origin. How did that game let it get to the day before his debut 
for them to step in. I, I just don't understand that. And my heart aches for this poor, poor kid. He's only just a kid. I don't think he's older than 20. But his dreams now in tatters, I don't know if they're going to make these rules um, because everyone wants these black and white rules. And then as soon as something like this happens... Everyone then blows up and says, oh, you well, you got to show a bit of discretion. Then it goes the other way for 18 months. And then the same people that wanted discretion are now the same people that wanted black and white rules. Thank you, Gus Gould. Now, this is one of the all-time great uglies and a nomination for On The Take of the Year. Now, we were making fun of this cat last year, uh, Vaughn, Vaughn Paul. Paul Vaughn Porn, I should say, as Paul Vaughn got fined, maybe suspended, I can't even remember, for uh, going out to a cafe while everyone was in stage four lockdowns from last year um, and supplied a fake name and all that sort of stuff. And he went out in the Wollongong area. He lives there. Like, I mean, how idiotic do you have to be to go to, like, you're essentially a one-town team there, go to a popular cafe and people not recognize who you are? I mean, like, how fucking stupid do you have to be? Well, it turns out you've got to be pretty fucking stupid because 13 players from St. George Illawarra have been suspended and fined, and I'll go through the list, for uh, hosting a house party at um, Paul Vaughan's house. Uh, so let's go through the list of the players here because all of these guys are first graders. Blake Laurie, 20,000. Corey Norman, who fled the scene. Here we go. He fled the scene, denied his existence at the party, despite the fact he left his wallet at Paul Vaughan's place and the police had confiscated it. But full-blown denies. Daniel Alvaro, Jack Bird, Josh Kerr, Josh Maguire. Well, he'll be having a meeting somewhere. Cade Ellis, Matt Dufty, Paul Vaughan, 50000 the heaviest, uh, tied for heaviest fine um, for hosting the party. Fui Mayono, Zach Lomax, thought he was one of the, you know, clean-skinned good guys of the NRL. Uh, he's fined $31. Jared Beal, um, the Firehawk, um, 2000 Obviously, he's on minimum wage, and I did think he got scaled back through a variety of factors, including repeat offenders. I'm looking at you, Corey Norman. But he's the guy that you thought would do everything he possibly could to stay out of trouble. Jack DeBellin, $42,000 fine after all the money he has or hasn't been earning uh, since all the allegations, and you know they have since been dismissed, and I'm sure there'll be legal... Um, proceedings uh, about getting back some of his contract money, he was found hiding under a bed. Now, some of these players were found in cupboards and Corey Norman legged it, but like, how dumb are these cats? Seriously. Jack DeBellin under a bed? Like, the cops aren't going to look when they find people hiding in cupboards. They're not going to fucking look around to see what was happening. And how stupid do you have to be to have it at a house party and carry on? Like, they got called, like, the cops got called by the neighbours. Like, how stupid do you have to be? Now, all of those guys are getting one match suspension. Paul Vaughan's getting eight weeks. Eight weeks for this. That's how serious they're taking it. Players serving one match suspensions will be split across a minimum of two rounds and a maximum of four rounds to ensure the Dragons have enough players available to field a squad each week. Now, I've got... Here's the biggest question for me. 
Why were there only 13 players there? Did players in that team not get invited to this party? Deliberately? Is this, you know, goes to show some sort of disconnect at the club? That you've got, you know, guys who are willing to do this and guys that aren't and showing a lack of cohesion? I I don't know. I can't say. But I thought it was very odd that there were only that many players there. I would have thought if you're going to do it, you may as well do it with the whole team. And the fact that they they can suspend the player, they they're going to suspend the players between two and four rounds, just goes to show like how many people in the squad are involved, and like you can't necessarily bring in um, reserve grade players for it, um, because they won't have enough. There's there's that many people suspended. They've got to field a reserve grade team, and you know it goes throughout the grades. Um, yeah, I mean, just absolutely bizarre. Nothing surprises me anymore. Paul Vaughan has to be an idiot. And Corey Norman, I mean, he's playing for contracts. Like, he's without a contract. um, Saints have said you're no longer uh, required after this season. What team's going to take him on? Here's Here's a better question. Does he even care? I think that's the bigger question for me. Does he even care about playing? This This to me shows that he doesn't. Now, you want to talk about teams that don't care if they play or not. Holy shit. This week's Olympic Team of the Week. Now, again, there were no short shortage of nominations. My Tigers, but thankfully they came back, but they were deplorable. Cronulla, um, losing to the Broncos. They were, they were putrid. They were terrible. I, I do not understand how they could... Um, you know, they had an opportunity to cement their spot in the eight. And now they've they've brought other teams back into it, um, thankfully for them. So it will make the run home a little bit more uh, spicy for better use of a phrase. But it actually has to go to Canberra because they lost. They are an automatic Olympic Team of the Week because they lost to last episode's Olympic Team of the Week, the Titans. Um in one of the all-time worst performances. Now, I think this was, to me personally, this was worse than watching the Tigers get done 66-16 to 16 against Melbourne because we all knew that was going to happen. At least this game, it was like, oh, you know, Canberra, if they're going to get their you know season back on track, they really need to win this game. The Titans are very up and down. They had a shocker last week. You know, Cold, Tino, David Feeder. you know, this is their last game for Origin. Are they going to play? Are they going to make some more business decisions like they've been doing over the last six weeks? All that sort of stuff. And they've just absolutely not even got off the bus. Freezing cold night, you thought all of these factors would play into Canberra's hands. And you know what? Canberra aren't that far out of the top eight anyway prior to this match. So with a win, they were really going to put themselves up there as like a name. After everything that's happened throughout this season, you know, a good win here against the Titans could really like not propel them, but like keep them in the conversation. Instead, it has just gone sour beyond belief. And Ricky Stewart um, issued a public apology to uh, the fans for having to put up with that and, you know, come out on a freezing cold night and blah, 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 this and that. But... This team was supposed to be right up there for premiership contenders, you know, if not 
favourites, definitely on that second tier um, pre-season uh, with the Roosters, Parramatta, um, you know, all looking at Melbourne and Penrith, of course. But I don't know where they go. Is is this the end? I think Stick's been there almost 10 years now. Um, if there was ever a year that they would, you know, they had to win, it was this year. How many times have we said it on this podcast that Canberra have to win this game? Um Every time we've said it, they've lost. Nothing seems to be working there. Uh, it might be time for a regime change in Canberra. Now, let's go to American correspondent. Now, both the American and European correspondents uh, have phoned it in today, um, but I will do my best to cover both. So let's go to uh, what the American correspondent has for us today. When I shoot my shot, that shit wetty like on shakes. See the shots that I took, wet like on book, wet like on leaves. And Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns are in the NBA Finals. Um, Chris Paul, 41 points in Game 6 against the LA Clippers. The Bucks get it done in six games as well against uh, Atlanta. And they did it without Giannis. He... Uh, picked up a very nasty looking knee injury um it like buckled back and I was like talking to some people at work about it and they said oh you know oh I thought he would have torn like all ligaments in his body and I was like like he is such a freak specimen like his he would just be like a1 primo genetics that like all his ligaments and stuff would just be like bended like elastic like they wouldn't even snap and that's what these guys are. These guys are the creme de la creme, like the premium athletes. And that would have taken like probably someone's like common man's fucking leg would have to be amputated from an injury like that. But the, these guys are just on another level. Um, and But the question is, will he be 100% for this series? And I think this, while Milwaukee do have some good pieces, um, they really lack that depth from players, you know, four through to uh, fifteen. Whereas that—that's where the Suns come into it. They're—they're they're fundamental team basketball, the way the game um, should be played. Uh, whereas there's a lot of you know ISO to Giannis and all that sort of stuff from Milwaukee, and they, and they rely on the three a lot as well. Uh, so um, good team basketball versing that sort of um, star player. Uh, you know, those two different styles of play collide here in the finals. Um, and we will have a just a tip later on for you uh, in the episode. Now, I've got um, a couple of on the takes here. And I don't know. I, I didn't know if this was an on the take, but it needs to be pointed out. Now, we made a lot of a lot of what we do on this show is made or has come about because of uh, Zion Williamson and, uh, you know, the Sweezy's Zion Williamson, Big Dick Energy Player of the Year, uh, you know, a huge part of our show, uh, c- came from this guy. And a lot of the conversation sparked about how, how is a guy that's so marketable and, and goes throughout his high school career so viral, tens of millions of YouTube views, um, but couldn't catch any, anything um, because... In college, you know, they obviously get scholarships, but they play for free and they can't earn any money and all that sort of stuff. Since then, there's been like in the last 18 months, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of back and forth. And finally, from July the 1st, college athletes are now permitted to make money off their name, image, and likeness. So essentially that means they can do Instagram stories, be, you know, 
start a YouTube channel and be sponsored, um, you know, and, and everything in between. Go to your local car dealership and, and get a free car for a couple of ads, all that sort of stuff. Within hours, hours, dozens of players um, had already come out with um, sponsorship deals and my University of Miami quarterback, De'Eric King, um, allegedly, and everything's an allegation, before the first week, he'd already got $20,000 in uh, endorsements. So good for him, you know, and this is what it's all about. You know, these kids go out there, particularly the football players, and make hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars for the schools um, that generate billions and billions and billions of dollars of profit every year uh, for these kids that they, they just take advantage of. So it is good that they're finally getting some back. And what's, what's actually really funny is like, you know how you see like Tiger Woods has his own Nike brand logo and Roger Federer and, um, Tom Brady has his TB12. All these cats are coming out with, um, personal brand logos now. So like, that's how, um, the, you know, the top tier talent can, can go. And that's, that's how much they can earn. They can, they know that their brand is so big that they can even fucking come up with logos like being 18, 19 in college. So, um, it's not really on the take because they're finally getting what they should be getting and, you know, what they're, you know, you are what the market's willing to pay you. And if someone wants to pay you $20,000 to do a car ad, well, then why should that stop you just because you attend college? It wouldn't stop anyone else. Wouldn't stop, you know, college, you know, students from, you know, making YouTube channels and doing all that sort of stuff. So why should it stop the athletes? Now, here's a little controversial on the take as well, as I just step away for a quick cough. Shikari Robinson, US sprinter, the 21-year-old, she has tested positive for marijuana and misses out on an Olympic bid. She qualified for the 100-meter sprint in the Olympics, probably wouldn't have won it, but would have gone close. Genuine medal chance. And she gets rubbed out for... um, Marijuana. Now, this sparked a huge debate. Obviously, in America, I think it's 21 states have decriminalized marijuana out of the 50. So it's perfectly legitimate to, you know, um, uh, take, you know, marijuana in those, in those things, in those states. But the problem is it's still banned on WADA or at the athletic doping on the Olympic doping thing. So all these professional athletes in America coming out saying this is a joke and all that sort of stuff. And yes, it's not technically a performance enhancing drug. And I'm not going to dispute that. What I'm going to dispute is she knew the rules. She knew that it was on the banned list. Still took it anyway. And to her credit, she's owned up to it and said, yes, you know, this is what's happened. I'm going to own it. I'm, you know, I shouldn't have done it, whatever, whatever it was said. She's definitely owning it. She's not sitting there and complaining and saying, oh, well, you know, it's legal and blah, 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 this and that. If you don't like the rules, you don't have to play. And this is what a lot of these, you know, basketball stars, football, you know, American football players were coming out. Yeah, because in your, in your rules, in your game, it's decriminalized. It's, it's, it's not, um, it doesn't warrant suspensions in most things, but in athletics, it does. And if you want to win a gold medal at the hundred meters, you've got to do it by these rules. So. Fair play to uh, Robinson for, for for owning it and all that sort of stuff. She's cost herself a chance at Olympic gold um, because she was um, smoking a joint. Um, 
yes, it seems silly, but again, it's the rules. Uh, and I, I don't, or should they change the rules? Well, that's for another time. The, the time right now, she broke the rules. She can't compete. Simple as that. And finishing off, um, Australian Cam Davis wins the Rocket Mortgage Open in Detroit in a five-hole three-person playoff. Now, um, Cam Davis is Australian. He's, I think, 34th uh, on the tour rankings at the moment, um, it propelled with this victory. Um, but what made it more significant, it was his first victory on the PGA Tour. He holed a bunker shot on the 17th uh, to get a share of the lead. Um, and then had to wait for the final pair uh, to come through, and then they had a three-person playoff. Um, now, last week we saw an eight-hole two-person playoff, um, which was just nothing short of thrilling. And, like, these guys holding their nerves for that long, even after the tournament, you know, this one went, what, 77 holes. So, you know, the one last week went for 79 holes. It, it's... It must just be such a mental strain on them to, you know, hold the putts, make the shots, the tee shots, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, a great win from Cam Davis. Um, he's been there and about. He's made a couple of top tens, but hopefully, uh, this, you know, does propel him up the ranks and we could see a bit more of his name, um, in the coming years. So that concludes the American correspondent. Let's get into the European correspondent. That's right. Football's coming home. The Euro 2020s are in the semi-finals and they are set. Italy versus Spain on Wednesday morning Australian time and England versus the Cinderella story of Denmark, I believe Thursday, final Monday morning Australian time. All the talk has been England, but the Italians keep chipping away. Uh, big victory against Belgium. Um, Spain had to take care of Switzerland in penalties from memory. Um, but I think England are going to ride this wave. I don't, I don't want them to. Um, but this has been a huge wave. You know, they had, um, this, you know, big run in Russia and everyone thought they were going to get um, the thing there and the whole football's coming home. Now, Atomic Kitten have gotten on board uh, for one of the all-time great mashups and that's what the English do. They love a good chant and a good mashup. It's, it's been a highly entertaining tournament so far. I'm, I'm rooting for Denmark, um, but I, I think... I think the final probably going to be Italy, England, and from there, I mean, I don't want Italy to win circa 2006, Lucas Neal getting dotted, uh, and then England, you know, you don't want England to win anything, um, but I'll probably put my money on Italy to take out the Euros. Um, the Barty Party continues to roll. She's into the fourth round. Not too sure when her next game is. She's the number one seed. I think the draw has opened up for her a little bit. Can she do it? 
she doesn't necessarily like the grass courts, um, but she's she's been under an injury cloud uh, for most of the year, most of the last 18 months, to be fair. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully she can live up to, you know, the hype and the number one seed and take it out. Now, there's another on the take here. Now, I'm going to absolutely butcher the names, but Australian, Aussie, Aussie Ayla, Tom, Tom Yalanovic, Tom Lianovic, uh, is through to the final 16, um, but in controversial fashion because she essentially accused her opponent, uh, Ostapenko, of faking an injury. And she was up, what, 4-2 in a critical point in the match, or 4-0. Uh, 4-0 up in the final set, and Ostapenko um, goes down for a medical timeout, and Tom Lanovic just absolutely blows up and goes to the umpire, and I quote, you know she's lying. We all know. Like, unbelievable. The I mean, the balls to even just, like, accuse your opponent, like, during the game of faking an injury. But obviously, like, there must be form. Um, Tom Lanovic... Um, Maybe not the most liked person on tour because after uh, the match, you know, she just, um, yeah, Ostapenko blew up at her and all that sort of stuff and uh, saying, you know, go talk to the physio if you think I'm faking it, blah, 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 this and that. Um, but, you know, what fair play, like it was, it was a, it was a critical point in the game, in the match, and, you know, she just kind of called it out of nowhere. Like, it wasn't as if she went down. And, like, I get it. Like, you know, people can get injuries and hide injuries and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, Ostapenko didn't miss as well, calling Tom Yanovich the worst player on tour. Um, yeah, it's un- unbelievable scenes, like, particularly after the handshake at the end, still blowing up. Um but yeah, someone finally calling out some, you know, fake injuries or something like that. Uh, it was pretty fun to see. Um, and keeping with the Australian flair, both the European and American correspondents have a bit of Aussie flair. Um, ben O'Connor, the Australian, wins stage nine of the Tour de France. I think he won by like four and a half minutes. Uh, so great victory for him. Now, this was marred by torrential rain and a massive climb up the mountains. And you could see, um, I watched some of the replay, um, some of the cyclists were just like pulling over on the road and just like getting changed, like getting undressed just to take all the weight, you know, from their clothes that the rain's taken just so they can like hike themselves off a mountain with like fresh clothes. Like I hadn't seen anything like that before, but when it was pointed out to me, I was just like, well, that's crazy. And how have we not seen that before? Or have we not been paying attention? Like that's how significant the rain was. So yeah, very, uh, very interesting there and good for Ben O'Connor. Hopefully he can, uh, make a play for the yellow jersey, if not king of the mountains. And we finish with golf with the American correspondent. We will finish with golf with the European correspondent. Lucas Herbert wins the Irish Open. Now, the Irish Open doesn't sound prestigious. It's a European tour, but it isn't one of the, it is one of the most important, um, golf tournaments on the European tour because it guarantees you a spot at the British Open. So, uh, Lucas Herbert, um, gets, he, uh, punches his ticket to the British Open that will be played. I think next month or later in the year. Don't hold me to any of that. All right. Let's go to Supercoach. Now, this has been just an utter wasteland for Supercoach. Now, we had the six, round 16 buys and all that sort of gear. Five trade week. 
Um, and again, it came down to, did you or did you not captain turbo yet again? Um, round 17 is the buy. There's only four rounds this week. If you want expert advice at how to win at Supercoach, go see our friend Juzzy T, the facial, um, and the boys over at NRL Supercoach Talk Podcast. We are not a Supercoach podcast. We do not give expert advice. We just provide a platform um, to pay out our friends or guests like the Northern Vikings who wish to partake in the Supercoach competitions that we run. So let's get into it. The Pig Dogs win the round of all teams. The Pig Dogs win the round. Lots of Manly players, lots of South players. 1577 to the Basket Straight Ins, 1317. The Mad Kents, I said Kents in the top of the table clash. Take out the Northern Vikings. Join us if you are out there. Reach out to us, sportingwoodspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. 1457 to 1420. Up to your nuts, Dane O. Guess a victory over Joe's Guns, 1363 to 1077. The Coagulators uh, get a good solid victory over a bunch of hunts. I said hunts, 1323 to 1157. And the upset for the ages, friend of the show, Jimmy B, with a resounding 270-point victory against the Revolution, 1326 to 1090. As we head over to the league standings, oh my goodness, with that win, the Mad Kents pull tied for first with a points differential of one between them. The Northern Vikings hold on to top spot by one point differential uh, to the Mad Kents, both on 20 points. Coagulators up there in third place on 16, tied with the Revolution. The Mendoza line sits in at fourth. Basket straight ins in fifth. The Pig Dogs up to your nuts on 12 points. And a bunch of hunts. I said hunts. A game back in eighth on 10. This is where it gets interesting. Can he do it? Can the friend of the show make a late season run? He's two games back from eighth place, but he takes himself off the top, off the bottom of the ladder, I should say. Uh, friend of the show, Jimmy B on six, and Joe's guns are rounding out the competition in last place. As we go to total points, let's see how Luke's gone. He has fallen. Whoa, hang on a minute. He's falling. He is capitulating. The Northern Vikings on top, rank 3196. The Basket Straight-Ins, after a good couple of weeks, they've moved into second place with an overall ranking of 4097. The Mad Kents, I said Kents, sit 4,501st. Um, and then the Revolution, the only one else to talk about there in 11,752. Now, Benny G did admittedly have one of the all-time great Barry Crockers, um, which is going to cost him a top 5,000 run, you would have to think. And as we go to the tipping, we've got one perfect round... And that has propelled Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo up the ladder. Let's go into it. Friend of the show, Jimmy B, with six this week uh, for a total of 66. That is 13-1-3 points behind second last uh, medicine underscore balls on 79. Dan V and JT250 both got three for the round and sit on 81 points. Hanlon 
and Big Daddy Hackett both move um, up into 10th and 9th respectively um, on 82. Hashtag Ride or Die um, goes into 8th on 83. Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo, oh, Joey Jojo, with the perfect round um, into 7th place on 84. Yun Sang just one point ahead of Joey Jojo on 85. Jay Goldie continues to fall on 87, tied with Angle Park. Uh, she's making a, a mid-season surge. Uh, she's on 87. Dane O, Dogs of War on 88. He's fallen away from Hep's Heem's Heroes in 94 and retaining a five-point lead at the top of the competition, the Coagulators. Now, let's do some Sweezies. You think you know me. On this day, BD history. Let me take you back to June 5th, 2009. Roger Federer, the GOAT, wins an epic five-set match against Andy Roddick. 16-14 in the fifth uh, to win Wimbledon and set the record at 15 Grand Slam singles titles. Now, obviously, that's been um, surpassed and um, enemy of the show, Novak Djokovic, is gunning uh, for a three-way tie at Wimbledon um, at the top there. Um, both Federer and Nadal sit on 20 Grand Slams. Djokovic looking to join him and is likely to do so. Hopefully, Federer can get one last victory over him. Um, that would be a good way to go out, I, w- I would say. If, if Federer wins, I, I'd love to see him just, like, right off into the sunset. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's, you know, he's not 100%. Um, but it, w- it would be one of the all-time greats. It'd be up there with, you know, a Tiger Woods comeback masters a couple of years ago and things like that. So um, that's, I think that's what everyone is wanting. I don't think anyone wants Djokovic to overtake uh, Federer and Nadal as, you know, the most Grand Slam victories. Um, but it, it seems to be inevitable. Um, but maybe he can hold him off for just one more. All right. So, Sweezy's highly controversial. Now, we go back because we did not do an episode last week. Origin 2 is included, and that's a little bit of foreshadowing. Um we have another contender to go head-to-head with the Ginger Assassin for One Point Wonder of the Year. His name is James Conrad. Now, the 2021 Frisbee Golf or Disc Golf, we call it Frisbee Golf, Frolf World Championships were held over the weekend. And um, now, I, I highly encourage everyone to just go Disc Golf World Championships because they've got a 50-minute final round Um recap, like a KO mini. Um, James Conrad needed to hole a 250 foot around the tree dog leg hole in one to take Paul Macbeth into a sudden death playoff. Now, a friend of the show, Benny G sent this through and the amount of people that are attending this event is astounding. 
it's insane. They've got makeshift, they've got grandstands. They've got scaffolding grandstands. Like, there would be like two, 3,000 people. I'm not even joking. I encourage everyone to go watch um, the 2021 Disc Golf World Championships. Let's hear um, from the commentators uh, for the winning shot or, or the shot. The throw? The shot? The throw. It's got to be the throw to take it to a sudden death playoff. It inbounds no matter what. No. No! No! Oh my god! My goodness. Oh my god! Oh! That is why you dream, folks. That is why dreams do come true right there. That is why you dream. Now, I'm not even kidding you. The the scaffolding fucking grandstand goes the whole length of the hole, and it's full. Now, is it part people trying to get out and do stuff? Probably. But at the same time, how, how many people have gone to this froth thing? This must be the greatest thing in the world to watch. I mean, it is pretty cool. You do start to go down a wormhole. Froth is pretty amazing and is quite underrated, um, but... That is why you dream, I think, is right up there. Just the way he said it as well. It was just like, it was, he was trying to not be too hyped, like the, oh my God, the ginger assassin, Randy. Did you see it, Randy? He's trying to not to be that guy, but it just comes off like so, so like nerdy, cool, like, I don't know. I, I really like the call. Um, takes it to the playoff and obviously rides the momentum and becomes the 2021 Disc Golf World Champion. Shout out James Conrad, contender for 1.1 of the year in the Sweezies. Now, I did say this was going to be a highly controversial Sweezies. Two points. I want to give it to Payne Haas for his performance in uh, the Broncos game against... um, Cronulla, 40 tackles, no missed tackles, 229 meters from 19 hit-ups, a line break assist, a line break, and a try assist. He put this team on his back. And a lot of people forget that Payne Haas is, what, 21? And he looks like a seasoned veteran out there. Now, Seabold and um, co. put him through so many... Case last year and just kept trundling him out there and the poor kid was just so cooked by like midway through last year like he couldn't do any more than he possibly could like he was gassed but this to me was a, a a game that he could only have after being in origin camp when he's around those guys and just you know takes their vibe takes that mentality because in that Broncos you know they're they're a shambles and you know, Kevy still just even in the coach's box, like when he's giving the people the thumbs up around the commentary box, like the the crowd, like after the game, like I don't know, it just seems so amateur hour. I I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It just doesn't seem like he's an actual coach. I, I don't know. I can't put it into words, like how it just doesn't seem right. Like he, it just doesn't seem like he is a coach. Anyway, to me, that Payne Haas game on. Sunday afternoon felt like a guy who came back full of confidence and just ripped in and just took control and was able to to channel that New South Wales sort of mentality um, that they've had over this season uh, in State of Origin and and just really dominate um, 
you know, and the Cronulla's do have a fairly decent pack. They've got, you know, Aaron Woods, who's, you know, a bit of a plotter and all that sort of stuff, but they've got, they've got some firepower in there too. So able to step up and dominate and get a, um, victory for the Broncos. When, when, to be fair, Cronulla had a lot to play for, um, in this game. And a lot of people had them running away with it. Sean Johnson looking good. Um, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, Good win over the Warriors last game. Um, opportunity to, you know, cement themselves in the eight, make it difficult for anyone to try and get back in. Um, but Payne Haas wasn't having any of it. So fair play, two points, um, Payne Haas. Now, three points. Now, this is a little bit of on the take as well. And, and this is what really annoys me. James Tedesco getting man of the match instead of Origin, that doesn't annoy me. That doesn't annoy me at all. Because... I'm not going to say he deserved it, but he was one of their best players. How Latrell Mitchell didn't get player of the match is beyond me, but I figured it out. In the pregame, in the pregame, Channel 9 people were saying, this is a James Tedesco game. This has got James Tedesco written all over it. I expect James Tedesco to be man of the match at the end of this game. That's what they were saying before the game was even played. And then Joel Kane, Sugars, on his bloody sports bat goes, oh, if you're having the same game multi, oh, you know, chuck in James Tedesco for man of the match. Like, are we fucking blind? Like, it was unbelievable the bias that was being shown towards James Tedesco. And I love James. I love Teddy. I love Teddy. I think he's a great player. You know, one of, if not the best player in the competition. But Latrell Mitchell was on fire in game two. What else? Did Latrell have to kill a guy to get man of the match? Like, like what What else could have anyone have done to deserve a man of the match? It was unbelievable. He, mate, that was the best game he's ever played, ever. And it just goes to show, he is the best left center in the competition, and he doesn't even play it at club. Like, he is so naturally gifted at that center. And this goes back to this Wayne Bennett argument of, you know, mismanagement of clubs. He is a left center. He is most dominant at left center. He's a great fullback, but he is the best left center. But because the money is now um, in in the fullbacks, because of what Billy Slade has been able to do and the legacy that he's left in this competition, uh, you know, he goes after this fullback money. But he's the best left center in the game. And it showed, and he's it's just natural to him. And it's so crazy to think that he only plays there like three times a year. Um, but I want to give credit where credit due is due. Latrell Mitchell was the best player on the field uh, on State of Origin 2. And a media pregame bias was the only thing that cost him... Um, a man of the match performance um, instead of Origin. But as a consolation, he will pick up three points in this episode's Sweezies. Now, let's wrap things up because we're almost getting to an hour. Oh, yeah. I can... Doing an hour by myself. God, here we go. Spicy matchup sponsored by Sriracha. Now, Luke partakes in the Sriracha and uh, he... I don't know. I don't know if he's had any. If if he's out there, um, I'm sure he's having some. He's contractually obliged to, but uh, didn't send anything through. So I'm assuming he has uh, some sort of 
deal where if he's not on, he does not have to eat it. But uh, the the segment is still sponsored. Um, my spicy matchup because none of the games. Uh, none of the four games this week are remotely spicy. Uh, I'm going to go Tim Zoo versus Stevie Spark. Now, this was supposed to be Zoo versus Rafa, and Rafa talked a massive, massive game and then just bows out with, what, six days to go um, due to COVID fears. You know, obviously, there's been a breakout in multiple states, and it was in Newcastle and... Um, that was the excuse that he was giving. Uh, I severely doubt it. I just don't. I just think he didn't want to get his head caved in after talking so much shit. Um, and I'm not the biggest Tim Zoo fan either, to be, to be honest. Um, but I, I mean, anyone, everyone hates Rafa. He, he's a flog. But I want to see this upstart. This is a Cinderella man story. This is like. What literally what dreams are made of? Stevie Spark, the Toowoomba lad, he's going to get a chance to knock out a top contender. Um, I think this is going to be Zoo's last fight in Australia before he tests the um, international market and, and start getting some world titles. This is the opportunity of a lifetime for Stevie Spark. And it's so funny how boxing narratives and, and pre-game pre-match sort of uh, media attention. You know, the whole Zoo versus Rafa was very, you know, I hate you, you hate me. The Paul Gallon, Justice Hooney thing was, you know, I, I hate versus hate kind of thing. Um, this one's very, the Stevie Sparks, like, hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> like, you know, he's like the young upstart who's like, doesn't know what he's getting into kind of thing. He's like, oh yeah, no, this is cool. And oh, this is so great. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity. It's good to see um, that there's no sort of, media pretense, you know, hype, fake hustle kind of thing. It's very much like this is right. Zaraf is out. We've lost that sort of big ticket headline sort of um, item. But to me, this is the bigger headline. Can the young buck, can this, the, the startup guy gets to call like a week before the fight to take on, you know, a champ? Um, can he pull off a miracle? I'd love, I, I so hope that he does. Um, but at the same time, you do want to see sort of Aussies uh, succeed on an international level. So Tim Zoo really needs to win this fight if he is to sort of get that that real boxing money. Um, but yeah, I'll be rooting for um, the Toowoomba lad, the Queenslander, Stevie Spark, in the spicy matchup sponsored by Sriracha. Last segment, just a tip sponsored by online sports betting company. Now, we didn't have an episode, but my multi, my just a tip would have been uh, South um, at, a, at pick whatever line. I was thinking minus 30 um, and Alex Johnston to score three tries. Well, he should have had three and they shouldn't, if they didn't put their um, foot off the pedal, they could have put 70 on him easily. Um, but thankfully that wasn't a recorded uh, tip, so my record looks slightly better. Um, but I'm taking my tip this week. It's a long-term tip. Um, from the American correspondent, Phoenix Suns. Now, a lot's been made about that guy with the fight in the crowd saying Suns in four and sparked all in brawl and all that sort of gear. Um, I would have loved to have picked a Suns in four just to really hype train that guy. Um, but the reality is this is going to be a tightly fought series and I'm going to pick Phoenix to win in seven games to take game seven 
Now, it's actually the most popular bet with our competitors, and it, and because of that, it's at really short odds. It sits between four and five dollars. Um, but OSBC, they've come to the party. They're going to boost it to ten dollars, which actually exceeds any other combination uh, for our competitors. So you can get ten dollars. You can get the best odds at OSBC. So Suns in seven, they've boosted it to seven dollars. Uh, it's not seven dollars. They've boosted it to ten dollars. So um, don't forget. Uh, to follow OSBC and all their sporting goodness. That wraps it up. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to go through um, to tonight's episode. There's been so much happening um, in the world of sport. It's so great to see um, just everyone getting back out there. Um, you know, the froth, the golf, um, rugby league. Oh, the rugby union's on. Um, France are coming. Um, so good for them. I mean, who's watching that? Like, seriously? Um, but yeah, let's get out of here. I'm trying to find the best way that we can say goodbye and bid adieu to episode 145. As we wait for the ad, because YouTube is so fucking shit, I hate it so much. But then the thing is, you don't want to pay nine ninety nine a month because then it goes to Google, and like, who will be my Medici family? Will it be Nike? Will it be Google? But like, how much more money do we have to give to these cats? But then we have to listen to rubbish ads. Right here we go, episode one forty five. It's over. Let's all sing along. <laughs> Looking back from where we first met I cannot escape and I cannot forget Southgate, you're the one You still turn me on Football's coming home again Southgate, you're the one You still turn me on Football's coming home again Deuces And then make like a Bye, 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 bye.